Hello everyone and welcome to the Commander's Forge. I am your host, Andy Bentley. Now, the Commander's Forge is an area for me to talk about magic, and specifically Commander, in ways that I enjoy it. Now, on today, I want to talk about a different style of play from last week. Last week we talked about aggro, and I am an aggro player at heart. But one of the most level-up moments I ever had was learning how to play other styles of decks. And that includes control. So today, I'm going to take you through how I play control compared to how I know others play control because my cousin is a control player and our styles are very, very different. And a little later, I will walk you through one of the control decks that I currently have built. And it's called Darak. Now jumping right into the talk about control. My cousin is a blue mage at heart. He is a hard counter, tap out control style player. I am a black mage at heart. So while he might want to counter a spell on the stack, I'll look at something on the board and be like, I want to kill that. The, the difference is he is a very proactive control player, and I am a very reactive control player. Even though compared to aggro, most control is reactive. We're just getting into semantics here. But his style of control is really hard for multiplayer magic because you have to constantly threat assess what is and is not the biggest threat. And he might, sure, find a way to lock everybody out. But in my style, I would rather deny resources. Uh... Instead of saying, no, you can't cast that, it's, no, you can't have creatures. Or, no, you can't tap that land. It's, I don't know if any one way is meaner. And, again, I'm an aggro player. I don't really like playing control decks. But that level up moment of being like, yeah, I get it. I know how to play this deck. Which means as an aggro player, I know no how to play against that style of deck. It's the same reason I learned mid-range, aggro, control, tempo. I know how to play every style of deck. So I know how to play against every style of deck. It was, it was one of those things where I just had to teach myself through playing Standard and Modern and Legacy. And then in Commander, it's its own beast. Because you're looking at multiplayer magic now. It just brings in such a diversity of how games are played format to format in each of those style of plays. 
look at uh, a control deck in standard and you're more likely to see that, you know, I'm just going to counter everything you play and then play a big threat. And that's kind of the same for most of the one-on-one -on -one competitive formats. It had to morph in Commander because if you're just countering everything, well, one, nobody's going to like you, but also you can't. You legitimately cannot stop every threat every time. So you need to adapt. You need to know how to kill. You need to know how to counter. And you need to know how to deny resources. And that idea is where I built my decks from. Don't get me wrong. I've done the counter, control, tap out. You can't do anything deck. I hated it. And I tore it apart. And I've never rebuilt it. And then there was this idea. This idea for cards that are not the easiest to interact with. That all do something that a lot of times you can't stop. And it led me to Planeswalkers. And I will explain more about that when I actually get into the deck tech for my deck later. But given the game I played with it earlier, where the entire table had to try and focus on keeping me at bay, it turned my control into controlling them to try to stop me. And it was a lot of fun. And sure, I didn't win that game. But I'm sure if you asked any of them, they would say that that was a really fun game. It didn't seem terribly oppressive. Sure, it was a little oppressive. But, you know, that's what a turn one soul ring into a turn two commander will do for you. All right, let's hear an ad from our sponsor. And then we will move into the deck tech. All right, let's jump into the deck tech for Darak. Now, Darak is a Golgari Planeswalker control deck and it is helmed by Umori the Collector. It is two and two hybrid Golgari symbols for a 4-5 legendary creature ooze. It has companion, but we don't care about that because he's just going to be our commander. As Umori the Collector enters the battlefield, choose a card type. Spells you cast in the chosen type cost one less to cast. Now, most people are going to look at that and say, yeah, I'm just going to jam all creatures and go to town. I didn't. I said, you know what? Let's, uh, let's run some Planeswalkers. Let's run some controlling spells and see what we can do. And it breaks down into... Eventually, it wants to win by denying our opponent's resources. We want to keep their boards empty while we're continually putting tokens on ours and eventually overrun them with a Garrick, which we'll get into right now. The deck runs five Garricks in total, and up first we have Garrick Relentless. Garrick Relentless is three and a green for a three loyalty planeswalker. 
For zero, he deals three damage to target creature. That creature deals damage equal to its power to him. And for zero, we can put a 2-2 wolf creature token onto the battlefield. But whenever Garrick Relentless has two or fewer loyalty counters on him, we transform him into Garrick the Veilcursed. He says plus one, put a 1-1 one, one black wolf creature token with death touch onto the battlefield. Minus one, sacrifice a creature if you do search your library for a creature card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. And minus three, creatures you control get trample and get plus X plus X till end of turn where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. The None of those second abilities are really ever going to be used. But putting out a Death Toucher to discourage people from attacking us is definitely something we want to do. Next, we have Garrick Primal Hunter. For two and green, 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 we have a three loyalty legendary planeswalker. His plus one is create a three, three green beast creature token. His minus three is draw cards equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. And his negative six is create a six, six green worm creature token for each land you control. So this is feeding into our we want to put tokens on the battlefield and it's also one of our sources of card draw our third garrick is arguably one of our best ones it's garrick wildspeaker for two green green we get a three loyalty planeswalker that says plus one untap two target lands which is really really good then on negative one to put a 3-3 green beast creature token onto the battlefield again feeding into our tokens but one of our main win conditions is going to be his negative four creatures you control get plus three plus three and gain trample until end of turn moving along we have garrick the apex predator and he is expensive at five black green for a five loyalty planeswalker he has plus one destroy another target planeswalker he also has a second plus one that says put a three three green beast creature token with death touch onto the battlefield his minus three destroys target creature and you gain life equal to its toughness and he has a negative eight that says target opponent gets an emblem with whenever a creature attacks you it gets plus five plus five and gains trample to end a turn again it's one of those overrun effects and we can actually stack that on somebody else and let other people attack them as well and our last garrick is garrick cursed huntsman for four black green he's a five loyalty legendary planeswalker for zero he creates two 2-2 black and green wolf creature tokens with when this creature dies put a loyalty counter on each garrick you control he has a negative three that says destroy target creature draw a card and a negative six you get an emblem with creatures you control get plus three plus three and have trample again this is feeding into tokens this gives us removal and card draw and an overrun effect when we need it and well, this isn't just going to be me talking about every single Planeswalker in the deck. There is another one that makes a couple appearances, but I just want to pull out 
two of her cards to talk about, and that is Vraska. And I'm going to start with Vraska, the Relic Seeker. For four black green, we get a six loyalty legendary planeswalker that says plus two, create a two two black pirate creature token with menace. And negative three that says destroy target artifact creature or enchantment, create a colorless to uh, treasure artifact token with tap, sack this artifact, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. And negative 10, target player's life total becomes 1. I doubt that'll come up very often, but again, she's making tokens. She is a source of both removal and ramp. One of my, one of my favorite uh, Planeswalker cards, if I'm being perfectly honest. But we also have Vraska Golgari Queen. For two black green, we get a four loyalty legendary planeswalker that says plus two, you may sacrifice another permanent. If you do, you gain a life and draw a card. Negative three is destroy target non-land permanent with converted mana cost three or less. Yeah, that's an abrupt decay. Good times. And then at negative 9, you get an emblem with whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. It's not an overrun effect, but if we get there and we've swarmed the board with tokens, I'll take it. Next, let's talk about getting them onto the battlefield. Because while Umori might come down and start decreasing the cost by 1, that isn't always good enough. Sometimes you just don't have the right mana. And for that, we're running Oath of Nyssa, which is a single green mana for a legendary enchantment. And when it enters the battlefield, you look at the top three cards of your library, and you can reveal a creature, land, or planeswalker card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. But the important bit says, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast planeswalker cards. This means if the draw has been awkward and we have only green mana, we can still cast our black mana planeswalkers. And that can save my game every so often. But next let's talk about Nyssa. And the first Nyssa is Nyssa Vital Force. For three green green, you get a five loyalty planeswalker that says plus one. Untap target land you control until your next turn. It becomes a 5-5 elemental creature. With haste, it's still land. Nine times out of ten, this might just be a blocker for me, but other times it could be I'm one mana short, so I'm just going to untap it so that I can tap it again to add more mana. She has a negative three that says return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand because people are going to want to go after your planeswalkers. And negative six, you get an emblem with whenever a land enters your battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. And there is a large amount of ramp in this deck because it's a very mana-hungry deck. Our second Nyssa is Nyssa Who Shakes the World. She is also three green-green for a five loyalty legendary planeswalker. But she has a static effect that says whenever you tap a forest for mana, you add an additional green mana to your mana pool. 
for plus one is to put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature land you control, untap it, it becomes a zero zero elemental creature with vigilance and haste that's still a land. So she can come down, untap one of the lands you've spent to cast her, and attack with a vigilant three three. Not bad. But her minus eight says you get an emblem with lands you control have indestructible. And you search your library for any number of force cards and put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. And it's really not that hard to get to eight loyalty. But speaking of getting stuff onto the battlefield, there are two artifacts that I run that can help cheat stuff into play. The first one is Thran Temporal Gateway. It's a four mana legendary artifact that says for four and tap, you may put target historic permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. And historic permanents are artifacts, legendaries, and sagas. So if I feel like it's not safe to run something out, I can wait till the end step before my turn. Or the real trick is, if it's too expensive for me to play, I can just cheat it out for 4 mana. The other artifact is also a legendary artifact, and that is Planar Bridge. Which is 6 generic mana. And then you can pay 8 and tap it to switch your library for a permanent card and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. If you're doubling mana with the Nissa out... It's really not that hard to get to 8 mana. In the game I played earlier, even after they got rid of the Nissa, I could still make 12 mana. Yeah. <laughs> um, next, we have uh, Ugin the Ineffable, otherwise known as Eugene the Ineffable. He is a 6 mana for a 4 loyalty legendary planeswalker. But he has a static ability that reduces the cost of colorless spells by two. So those kind of expensive artifacts can come down a little sooner. Or any of their colorless planeswalkers we may or may not be running that I'm not going to talk about here. But he has a plus one that says exile the top card of your library face down and look at it. You create a 2-2 colorless spirit creature token and when that token leaves the battlefield Put the exiled card into your hand. So this gives us something to block with. Or eventually when we're doing our overrun shenanigans. It's another 2-2 body. And he has negative 3 to destroy target permanent that's one or more colors. So it can't hit colorless stuff. But that's fine. Uh, it's still pretty premium removal. Especially for... Say, another person's commander. And then, it wouldn't be a Planeswalker deck without the inclusion of the Chain Veil. Which is a 4-mana legendary artifact that says at the beginning of your end step, if you didn't activate a loyalty ability of a Planeswalker this turn, you lose 2 life. But you can pay for and tap it, and for each Planeswalker you control, you may activate one of its loyalty abilities once this turn, as though none of its loyalty abilities have been activated this turn. 
yeah, there are times where this can come down after I've put stuff in the range to use their ultimate to immediately use their ultimate. It's devastating, and I love it. All right, let's take a look at some of our card draw. And most of it is centered in black. Not all of it, but most of it. And the first Planeswalker that I really like that deals with it is Omnixilus the Hate Twisted, which is three black black for a five loyalty legendary Planeswalker with the ability that says whenever an opponent draws a card, Omnixilus the Hate Twisted deals one damage to that player. And you can couple this with minus two destroy target creature, its controller draws two cards. But nine times out of ten, I'm just going to hit one of my own tokens and draw two cards. Next we have Obnixilus Reignited, which is three black black for a five loyalty planeswalker. that says plus one, you draw a card, and you lose one life. His minus three is destroy target creature. And his minus eight is target opponent gets an emblem with whenever a player draws a card, you lose two life. And yes, I have put that on somebody before. It was amazing. And the last one that really centers around card draw is Liliana Dreadhorde General. For four black black, you get a six loyalty legendary planeswalker that has the ability whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card. You can plus one to make a two two black zombie creature token but 9 times out of 10 she comes down and she hits her negative 4 immediately. Because each player sacrifices 2 creatures. So everyone else is down 2 creatures. We're down 2 creatures, but we're up 2 cards. Mm. Music. Music to my ears. And then negative 9 is each opponent chooses a permanent they control of each permanent type and sacrifices the rest. Good old tragic arrogance. I uh, believe that almost brings us to the end, but there's still one more very important part I want to talk about, and that is removal. And we're going to start that section by talking about Karn Liberated. He is a seven mana, six loyalty planeswalker. He has a plus four that says target player exiles a card from their hand. He has a minus three that says exile target permanent. And his negative 14, which I'll probably never use, but it says restart the game, leaving in exile all non or permanent cards exiled with card liberated, then put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. He's honestly there to, if there's nothing threatening on the board, just start peeling stuff away from people's hands. Or he just says, no, I don't want to deal with that thing in particular. And he just exiles it. No fuss, no must, nothing. Just, it's gone. Now, the next one I like to call part of my player removal. Because nothing helps an overrun like putting an opponent to 10 life. And that is what Soren Markov is here to do. He's three, black, black, black. For a four loyalty planeswalker, his plus two is basically irrelevant, but he deals two damage to target creature or player, and I gain two life. 
but is minus 3, target opponent's life total becomes 10. And it's not just me. 9 times out of 10, when you see this card in the wild, that's about all it does. But it does have a negative 7 that says you control target players next turn. Basically never happens. <laughs> and then we get into... Well, let's just call it the uh, removal suite. And that starts with Casualties of War. Which is 2, 2 black, and 2 green. For a sorcery that says choose one or more. Destroy target artifact. Destroy target creature. Destroy target enchantment. Destroy target land. Destroy target planeswalker. Yeah, it just kind of deals with everything. And in that vein, our next one, Windgrace's Judgment, for three black green. Any number of opponents destroy target non-land permanent that player controls. And, man, that card's really good. Then we have uh, two, our two, like, really targeted, like, I need that gone right now. And the first one is Vraska's Contempt, which is two black-black. For an instant that says exile target creature or planeswalker, and you gain two life. It, that, yeah, that's that's it. Then we are also running abrupt decay, which is a black and a green for an instant that says abrupt decay can't be countered by spells or abilities. Destroy target non-land permanent with converted mana cost three or less. Now. Sometimes you just need everything gone. And by everything, I mean everything that isn't mine. So for that reason, we are running in Garouk's Wake. It is seven black-black for a sorcery that says, destroy all creatures you don't control. And all planeswalkers you don't control. It's... The deck can be oppressive, but not in a way that I feel like anybody's going to say, man, I can't beat this. And that's how I like to play Control. So, yeah. If you like the idea, you can find the deck list in the description. And I think that's going to bring me to the end. All of the normal YouTube stuff. If you enjoyed it, consider subscribing, hit the like button, hit the bell for notifications, and I'll see you next time. That brings us to the end of the podcast. I would like to thank Nate and Erica Jacobs for designing my logo, and Cody Mulpey and Ian Foss for allowing me to use a sample of music from their band, The Crypt. The podcast can be found on YouTube by searching Commander's Forge. The podcast is Commander's Forge. That is C-M-D-R underscore Forge on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at BentsMister. That is B-E-N-T-Z-M-R. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, here's to fun games and sick plays.